This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This morning, our uh, study of the uh, subject, God's House, has been a very enriching and interesting study, and uh, we'd like to uh, have someone over in this section get for us 1 Timothy 3.15, if I could get somebody to do that in a loud, clear voice. Uh, Ron, and I'd like Hebrews 3, 1 through 6, somebody over in this section over here. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Quickly, somebody help me. Uh, Joe Calloway. We have been studying for a number of weeks on uh, the subject of God's house and has been very enriching and has been a tremendous revelation of several facets of study that have opened to us new vistas of understanding in the word of the Lord. We have five key words. We want to review those and uh, trigger our minds back in. What are the five key words? Somebody can tell us those. Anybody like to tell us? Uh, Cindy? Okay. Is this God's house? Okay. The household? The householder? Or the good man of the house? Okay. The house servant? And the steward or the manager or the overseer, and all of those are words. And so uh, let's uh, review our understanding of the house. The house is what? Cindy? The physical, but it can be carried on to something else. And what's that? It's the house of God in a spiritual concept. Okay, his dwelling, that which, he, that, uh, which he's working through. And the household is the folk that are in the house or the people that are in the house. Okay? The householder, the owner, the ruler, okay? And the servant is exactly that, the house servant and the steward. Administrator, okay? What's the one key word that, uh, that we haven't really locked in on heavy, but we've alluded to that we're going to have to understand concerning the steward? What's the one word that looking f- to the future that the steward always has to keep in mind? David? He's going to have to account, an accountability. We're not just playing on the team, and then as we play on the team, uh, sometime in the future we just... Uh, it just everything's just going to be okay but we're going to have to give an account this means that there will be an accounting given to by who the pastor joe everybody that's saved who are they the house folk right okay every single one of those our stewards of God and are going to have to give an account in the house of God. Okay, we, we touched last week on a... Uh, we studied la- for the last two Sundays on the people of God's house. And uh, in that, we uh, 
we uh, touched on uh, two church terms, which is clergy laity. What's wrong this morning with the clergy laity concept? What's wrong with that? Uh, Rob Kennard. Okay, they're the only interpreters of the Word of God, and they, uh, they are a priest class, or as uh, clergy is sacerdotal overtones, which mean they are, have a special relationship or a priest class that are above the people, and the people themselves have no access to God, neither can they lead people to God, or can they mediate between God and man as far as ministry, right? Okay, and so what do we find out about that? Okay, well, how do we know that by the words that we studied last week? Where does the word laity come from? Ooh, we made a terrible boo-boo if we didn't get that over. Joe? Well, the word laos, which is people, the people of God, and from that term, we get the word laity. And so if we understand correctly, all the people are the people of God. We found that out, didn't we? We found that all God's people are the people of God and that the priest class is every believer a priest. This is what brought the tremendous reformation and brought Rome uh, to release her hold on multitudes of people. Okay, 1 Timothy 3.15. Uh, would you read that for us out loud in a good, clear voice? Ron Stewart. The house of God, which is the church of God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. In Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Okay, here we have the house concept brought through several phases that we'll get back to later. I want to talk this morning about God's people as a people called out. We want to deal with God's people as a people called out. I want uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Somebody over here. Uh, Rob Kennard. I'd like Deuteronomy 7, 7. Somebody in this section. Brother Van Dyke. Here we're dealing with the subject. We're not going to go deep into it, but we're touching on the subject of election or a people chosen or called out. And we're going to move it into the understanding of the people of God we know this morning that Israel was called out of Egypt to inherit a land that had done nothing to establish, had wells and vineyards and houses. And this concept is all through the Word of God, as we're going to see this morning, that God's house folk are to be considered as a people called out. You need to underline that somewhere. God's people always are a called out people. They always are a called out people. People. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 7, 7.
The Lord did not set his love upon you or choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. Okay, here's a principle that we need to come to grips with when we begin to talk about that. God begins to deal in scriptural history with a man. Uh, that man becomes a, a, uh, a family, and uh, that family becomes a tribe, and that tribe becomes a nation. Then something begins to happen that we begin to see in Scripture, that that nation will not obey and apostatize, and so uh, God begins to move, and out of that people, he begins to call out a people, and this is a history of God's Word, a remnant in the earth. I want to deal this morning with the, with the, with the, uh, the, the terminology, a remnant. It's very important that you get that locked in your mind, and uh, if you, uh, if you uh, are a student, you'll soon find that uh, this is a uh, subject that's not dealt with extensively in the Word of God. Mostly it's relegated to Israel and Israel's uh, role in the end time. And if, if you interpret that, in other words, if you just pass over that and it misses your mind, you're going to miss great truths in the Word of God, and you'll miss the tremendous truth that God is talking about his people as a called out people as it has to do with the house of God and so we need to lock in this morning with the remnant the scripture says it Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord Deuteronomy 7 7 brings out that point says God says I did not choose you because you were a people that were uh, great in number the reason I chose you was because I loved you and this people God began to deal with, and so we find this all through the Scripture. Noah was a family called out. Noah was a people who was the believing folk that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Someone said a minority went into the ark, but when he came out, he was a majority. So it always is in God's economy in dealing with people because God never leaves himself without a remnant. Now, we're going to deal with the Word. We're going to get some more scriptures in a moment, but we're going to deal with the Word, a remnant according to the election of grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This scripture that I've just read to you, we'll pick up in a moment, is a New Testament term. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You can search and look and, and do whatever you want to do, but you'll find uh, in, the, in the dealing of God with Noah that is exactly that, that somehow Noah found grace with God. He found a standing before God of righteousness. He found a standing... A free and unmerited favor. He found a, a standing where God ministered to him his salvation. He was the faithful remnant in his generation to whom God moved and who responded. And history tells us that he and his family alone responded in that generation. And so we have a remnant according to the election of grace. You follow this on through Scripture. You go into the nation as it was taken into Babylon. And you'll find that in that nation, 
There's a remnant according to the election of grace. You find the few that, uh, that uh, are the ones that God deals with and who are faithful. You find uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, uh, and Abednego. You find Gideon. You find uh, Jephthah. You find uh, on through Scripture that there are people that uh, become this believing minority that God uses as a witness in the earth, and we want to follow this through. Hezekiah, Josiah, uh, and uh, many others. And so there's a remnant. This word remnant is a word that literally means that which is left. This is what the word means. That which is left. You'll find uh, synonymous terms as residue. You'll find this used in the Scripture a number of places or remainder. You need to lock this into your understanding and may the Lord help you that you don't have to spend as many years as I did not understanding what the remnant really means and what the remnant is. I need a number of scriptures this morning as we come back and lock our minds into this principle that has been always through the Word of God. Isaiah 1, 9. I need somebody over here. Uh, Dan Atherton. I need Isaiah 10, 20 through 22. Uh, Rhonda Gandolfo. Uh, I need uh, Zechariah 8, 11, and 12, uh, Morgan Werther. I need Isaiah 6, 13, uh, Mark Hamilton. I need Haggai 1, 14, somebody else in this section, uh, Cindy. All through biblical history, you find that there has been a believing minority, not the professing majority. When we begin to deal with the remnant, we're not talking about profession. We're talking about possession. We're talking about having the goods. We're talking about somebody that really knows God. Daniel says, but they that do know their God. This is completely different than people who simply profess the religious uh, popularity in the religious externals that are acceptable in any generation. Isaiah 1 9. Let's read that out loud, Dan, in a loud, clear voice. Except the Lord of hosts had led unto us, left unto us a remnant, we should have been as Sodom and like Gomorrah. Here the prophet speaks out and, uh, and gives this tremendous statement and said it is God now that has, by his grace, by his election, he has left us a remnant or some that is left. That scripture we're going to pick up in the New Testament, again, is going to be extremely important. That same statement that is made there, uh, that is made to the prophet concerning the children or the people of God. Isaiah 10, 20 through 22. Okay, this same scripture is, is, is uh, uh, spoken in Isaiah. We're going to pick that up again in the New Testament. And this is a tremendous statement that speaks of the same thing, saying that there is a residue, there is a remnant, there is a remainder. And this remainder is among the professing or among the people of God, but it is a people that is that which is left. They have specific distinctives in their lives 
and Zechariah 8, 11 and 12. This remnant is going to be a seed, Isaiah 6, 13. These people are to be as a holy seed. He speaks of it there as being as a tent. And he speaks in figurative language. Haggai This is a remnant, not the professing, but a, among these that God stirred up their spirit. In other words, there is not only the legal standing, but the grace of God, that power, that present moving of God's reality is going to be among a people, and he speaks of them as being those that God stirred up and that which is left. Okay, God's purpose this morning is to make us to understand, and if you see, saw the words that were, that were used there several times, is that there's a seed, a holy seed or a spiritual kernel of the nation which should survive the impending judgment and become the germ of the people of God being blessed of God and made a blessing. Not the professing, but those in whom God is working, his grace actually is working as a present reality. And these are to be a spiritual seed in whom God is working. First Kings 19.14, somebody in this section here. Uh, brother, uh, Sister Mayo, let's get Sister Mayo, verse 14 and, and, and uh, verse 18. I saw another hand back here. Denny Malachi 3. 16 and 17. Here we find this historically. Here's the prophecies of God saying there's going to be this holy seed. Uh, these, uh, these people are not the whole of the uh, nation of Israel because the whole of the nation are not counted. But there is a segment or a residue and to these God is working in and accomplishing his purpose among the nation. First Kings nineteen fourteen. All right, here's here is uh, is uh, Elijah. And uh, things are uh, in apostate state. He, the whole land has been given into, uh, into idolatry. The 400 priests of Baal have just been slain on Mount Carmel. He's gone down to Jezreel. Uh, the, uh, uh, Je uh, Jezebel has, uh, uh, has uh, put out a, uh, a, uh, a contract on his life. He's running for the desert. He's uh, beneath a juniper tree moaning and groaning, and things are so bad 
that he says, God, it's just me. I'm the only one that's left. And then in verse 18, God says something very special to what we are studying. I have left me. Here we find the remnant again. 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal, neither have kissed his toe. Okay. Shades of Rome. This is shown to be the church. Now, if you are a Bible student and you read widely, you will soon come to the, uh, the dispensational proclamation that this remnant is Israel. And your mind is fogged over and you always uh, relegate this off to a future and there is a future truth to the remnant being Israel uh, and, uh, and we won't uh, do away with that. But that's not the bulk of this tremendous truth that we have here as we're going to find out uh, in the scripture in just a moment. But this remnant is shown to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church has never been a majority. It wasn't in Jesus' day. It never has been. It never will be. I was reading an interesting author that I've, uh, I seldom ever read. Uh, I have a lot of books, and I uh, was searching uh, out to see what I could find on this, and I came across C.H. Uh, McIntosh, who has uh, miscellaneous writings. I believe his writings are about 100 years old, and, uh, and uh, he had uh, some tremendous statements concerning this, and I used some of his material uh, as I begin to see it unfold in the Scripture. He says... We must never forget that the professing church is a hopeless wreck and that any human effort to restore it is a delusion. We are not called and hence qualified to restore it. Now, he was speaking before the charismatic movement ever came. But he had tremendous insight in the Word of God and he had tremendous experience which any perceiving man of, and woman of God must admit that he is exactly true. So when we're talking about now the remnant, we're talking about the church. But when we're talking about the church, we're not talking about professing Christianity as a whole because it is not the church, has never been the church, and never will be the church. Luke twelve thirty two. Uh, we need several scriptures, maybe over on my right, over in this section. Uh, Kathy uh, uh, Corsi, Romans 9.29. Uh, Rob Kennard, and I need uh, Romans 11.4 through 7. Uh, Don Beasley. I'd like to get these three scriptures. We want to share them. We're going to come back uh, and cross-reference with several of these. But we want to talk about the remnant as the church and I qualify that by saying we're not talking about the professing church as a whole. Luke twelve thirty-two. Jesus comes, and as he begins to minister, he begins to touch a group of people who respond to his word. John five twenty-four said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that... Uh, heareth uh, 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 my word 
and believeth on him that has sent me shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He found a segment of people who were open to God and who would receive God. And he calls these the little flock. They certainly are not a majority, my friend. They are the little flock. Remember what I said before about the seed of the nation. That's what this little flock was. Romans 9, 29. Here, the Apostle Paul puts this in this tremendous passage concerning the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He flashes back to Isaiah 1, 9 that Dan Atherton read and said, this is in line with what the prophet Isaiah said. Unless God had left us a remnant or a little flock or a group of people who believe we had been a Sodom and like Gomorrah, we would have ceased to exist and been nothing more than a memory in history. Romans 11, 4 through 7. Okay, here he brings this down into perspective and he says that the church... Now, we can use that allegory flashback to the professing Israel. The people at large did not, but he said the elect have obtained it and the rest were blind. We're not going we're gonna to go into the full ramifications of, of uh, Israel restored to the land because that isn't, that isn't the total of subject that he's dealing with the Roman. But he's talking about the segment of people out of that group that by the election of grace and he's talking about the people in Israel who believe God for this day. That's what he's talking about in Romans 11. Isn't that right, John? That's what he's talking about. Say, okay. Israel then, it was a total failure. Listen carefully to me. But a seed, like the remnant of corn which the farmer leaves for seed, there's just enough of the righteous or the believing left to cause a future harvest of true believers. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 11, 4 through 7. This is what he's talking about in Isaiah prophesied, Isaiah 1, 9. And this is what's talked about in Romans 9 and 29 is a group of people who are believers, who believe God, who take God at his word, and these become the election or they become the called out people of God. I want Hosea 2.23. Somebody over here. Uh, Ron Dengulf, Gandolfo, and Bill Kimball, Romans 9.25. Hosea 2.23. Daniel Hosea. Right, here, we, here we have this same thought. I was so unto her in the earth. Then he flashes back in those scriptures. Remember last week we talked about the people of God. The people of God were people that were not called the people of God, and they turned out to be the Gentiles, didn't they? Those people that nobody wanted. Those people that weren't seen fit to obtain or seen fit to be God's people. We find out now that God did a tremendous work, and they turned out to be the people of God. And so he says, I'll soar under in the earth. And so here we find this little flock, the apostles and the prophets, 
that in Jesus' day begin to rise and they begin to start sowing and, and as they begin to sow, suddenly it gets much larger than the nation of Israel and they find out and by the revelation of God, Peter has a vision three times and he find out that this becomes much larger down to Cornelius, God begins to do a work. The persecution of the stoning of Stephen and they flee everywhere, begin to preach the gospel. Some of them didn't have better sense than to begin to preaching to the Gentiles up in Antioch and a tremendous revival breaks out in the earth and Antioch becomes the center of world evangelism. And this flock, this little flock, this little seed of believing people turn out to be a tremendous instrument of harvest. They bring forth the, seed, the, the harvest of God. Have Romans nine twenty five. Okay, here he's quoting back to Isaiah and says, I'll call her my people which are not my people, and them beloved which were not uh, beloved. So here we see that the seed, this uh, remnant, according to the election of grace, has turned out to be the seed that God has used to bring tremendous harvest to in the earth, and so it has always been. Okay, then we want to uh, lock in before we open this up for discussion in a moment. Uh, God's purpose then was accomplished by a remnant. Flash back to Abraham. Flash back to Noah. Go back to uh, the uh, uh, Old Testament, and you'll see over and over again that God's purpose was accomplished not by the majority but by the remnant or those people who believe God. You'll find that all the way through. It's by a remnant people. Joel 2.32. Let's begin over here so again. Joel 2.32. Dan Atherton. Joel 2.32. I want Romans 10.13. Jerry Miller. I want Romans 9.27-33. Ron Gandolfo. I want Acts 2.21. Cindy Hines. I want Romans 9.6-8. Uh, Mark Hamilton and Galatians 4, 21 through 31. Uh, Danny Brown. Read those in a loud, clear voice. We see that God's purpose has always been by a remnant people. Joel Okay, the deliverance is to be in the remnant. Uses a tremendous word, Mount Zion, which is a study uh, that uh, Larry is going to do for you in with this as we, uh, as we conclude this out. Romans 10, 13. And Romans 9, 27 through 33. All right, here we have this tremendous statement concerning the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the work of reaping. We're talking about harvest. Romans 10, 13 says that, uh, uh, fitting, fit it in with the rest of the passage, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 9 quotes the same scriptures that we've been quoting and moves it into the New Testament concept and the church concept and, uh, and gives us those tremendous declarations. Acts 2, 21. 
Here that uh, Acts picks it up in a sermon, and the uh, same thing is, pre- is uh, proclaimed. Romans 9, 6 through 8. Okay, this is a tremendous statement. said, They're not all Israel which are of Israel, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. It's not the physical. It's not the external. These are not the ones, but it is the ones in whom is God's grace working. The election according to grace. Grace is not simply a standing. It's a, a far greater word than the standing that we have with God of, of uh, free and unmerited favor, which is generally uh, uh, interpreted. It's something that God is doing a reality of spiritual impartation and spiritual reality as a present action, something inside, something God's actually doing. It's not just a legal uh, standing, which we have, and you'll soon find that from the Scripture. Galatians 4, 21 through 31. God's purpose is always by a remnant people. And so all through all these scriptures, then, if we can lock down the new people, which God will call my people, will be made up from Jews and Gentiles alike, who are believers. And I use the term in the strictest sense. It is made up of Jews and Gentiles. These, then are God's house folk. This is what we found out in the scriptures that we have. These are called a remnant, that which is left, a residue. This is These people are as a seed who hold to God's word. We read the, the scripture in Malachi, and the Old Testament ends with a group of people in Malachi who were not like the rest of their generation, or God professors, but they sighed after the God of Israel. They were burdened for the things of God. They did really believe, and God says, Mark those people, and I'm going to write a book of remembrance for those people, and uh, in that day when I make up my jewels, these people are going to be the people that uh, my blessing rests upon. And these people then are the remnant. Only a remnant left. In the Old Testament, we move into the New, and then God begins to work. And as he begins to work, he uses this remnant to trigger the tremendous revival that we read about in the New Testament, made up both of, of, uh, of Jews and of Gentiles. Now, let's turn together to Acts 15. I want to leave this right here for a moment, and we're going to open it for some discussion. I want to leave this scripture with you. This is a scripture that... Uh, is, has uh, tremendous importance and which this study has unlocked statements in it to our understanding. Uh, here we've just had uh, 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 the uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas and uh, they've come back. They've been bringing news of the tremendous working of God in the Gentiles, this great mass of people that were they're deemed not worthy of salvation. And God's pouring out His Spirit and He's been bringing back a tremendous... Uh, blessing and so on. Acts fifteen twelve, 
after this report is, is true, and, uh, they, and they bring their conclusion. Verse 11 says, We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence, verse 12, and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they'd held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Look at that term again. Tremendous statement. To take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as is written. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David or the house of David. Remember we studied the house of David which is fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things, known unto God, are all his works from the beginning of the world. Several of those scriptures they've been quoting from Old Testament scriptures, some uh, in uh, correlation with what we've been talking about. Okay, as we, as we got there, have we triggered any questions that uh, we need to lay to rest? Joe Calloway. Well, the tremendous thing that uh, that happened on Carmel is the, the people uh, in a great rush of uh, external enthusiasm said, The Lord, He's God. Ah, man, I tell you, we're having revival over at Fort Square on Sunday night. On Monday, you can set out under the juniper tree. There ain't nobody here. See, people are like that. They're very, very, very shallow. And so this is what he was dealing with. The people were very excited on, on Mount Carmel, but uh, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, there are very few that really were believers. And it always is so, my brother. It always is so. I wish I could tell you that everybody that professes to believe, I wish I could tell you that everybody that worships in this building really are uh, for God, but they're not. <laughs> uh, we don't have time to go into all of that. <laughs> uh, but they're not. Yeah, look around you this week and you'll see. Now, we're looking for a tremendous revival this week. But uh, the people who will be here are the people who believe. We've got a lot of people that assemble here, but we have a core that are going for God. Take a look on Wednesday night, and you'll see the principle working out. Now, I don't know where the, the line is, and I'm not saying that everybody that don't worship on Wednesday night uh, isn't saved. But when you get saved and you really get the good, you want to come on Wednesday night. I did say that. <laughs> and so has always been, and we thank God that we have enjoyed to a measure tremendous grace of God and, uh, and uh, by and large, we really, if you compare what God's doing, we, God really is moving in our midst. But uh, we're not arrived by any means. And so that's why. Somebody else.
Brother Rob. Yeah, but I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about people who believe. And uh, we always need to read Zechariah 3. And we'll find ourselves before the angel of the Lord, and there we have filthy garments that have to be replaced. Okay? But in every age, there has been a believing segment that have always brought harvest. A believing segment, always. Always. And the tremendous thing is, is in Jesus' day, who were the people that persecuted the hardest? Who were the people that persecuted the hardest? Rome? It was the people who had the touch of God before. This is as old as history. You know the people who give us the most problems today? It's our brethren. It's our brethren who at one time had a touch of God in their life. But today have settled into business as usual. That on the mountaintop they'll shout, The Lord, He is God. But when Jezebel has to be faced, there's few left. And so it is. Joe? Yeah. Okay, I want to. I don't want to let this end before we finish, and uh, I want to touch on uh, Revelations two twenty four through twenty nine. A tremendous uh, thought that comes out of there. That I'd like to finish with this morning. If you want to turn there with me, uh, remember now this remnant. We move down to the New Testament. Jesus is born. God's beginning to move again. Uh, John the Baptist. Uh, is conceived. We find the remnant is Zechariah. It says they waited for the kingdom of God. This is the remnant. We find Zechariah and Elizabeth. We find the John the Baptist coming. We find Mary who receives the angel of the Lord. Uh, she brings uh, the child Jesus into the temple. We find Simeon. Uh, he comes and lays his hand on the child Jesus. He waited for the kingdom of God. We find Anna the prophetess. And so there always has been a remnant that were faithful to God even in times of apostasy. Now, Revelations 2, 24 through 29 is a tremendous uh, follow-through on this that I want to leave with you before I conclude because I don't want to stop in the middle of this. 2, 24 through 29. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira. Underline that phrase, unto the rest in Thyatira, because that word is the root word that we have been looking at this morning, it is the root word from which Romans pulls this phrase, remnant. But unto the rest in Thyatira. And so we have distinctive people that are there. But unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I'll put upon you none other burden. But that which you have already hold fast till I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. I'll give them the morning star, 
He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, at this point, and, uh, and uh, most of you who are Bible students of uh, any uh, uh, length of time, you understand that, uh, that uh, this is to be understood in the churches uh, and their period through the ages down to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And, and there's a tremendous uh, prophecy that is given there. He's dealing with the churches. And there are three distinct changes that take place right at this place. We've been dealing with the church on up to this point. But Tyre is a church that's in the dark. The church is in the dreary Middle Ages. Gross darkness had covered the, the earth. And popery prevailed in the character of Jezebel as he, is, uh, as he speaks there. And so for the first time in this passage, a remnant is addressed. The church now is addressed as the remnant. Secondly, for the first time, the second coming of the Lord Jesus is addressed. And thirdly, as we consider that passage of Scripture, it is the hearing ear now that is addressed and not the church at large. Those are distinctive changes that we need to note. And in Thyatira, all hope of corporate restoration is abandoned. Here's God dealing with the church. You see, we've uh, just come out of a segment of time when the great message is that the church is going to be restored. The church is being restored. Oh, there's a renewal coming to the church. There's no renewal prophesied in the Word of God. Neither has there ever been a renewal and will never be a renewal of the corporate structure. Wasn't in Jesus' day. There was no renewal. And there is no renewal prophesied in the word of the Lord, but we followed on through, and God says, come out of her, my people, and we're talking about the dark ages and the corporate church that was at that, and all hope of restoration is given up because the Lord says, I gave her space to repent, and she repented not. Okay, there's no mention now in, these, in, in this, uh, in this uh, passage of Scripture, Revelation, of a remnant until we get to Thyatira. Then, at that period, all hope of corporate restoration is abandoned, and it's not the church restored. That is not what is addressed there. But then it becomes a distinct company unto the rest. And that word is that same word that we've been dealing with, the word remnant. These people are to be clear of Jezebel's teaching, not... Uh, uh, defiled with Satan's depths and going on to the end. Now, there's something that happens in the religious world. You and I both are mature enough to understand that the Foursquare organization is not the hope of the world, that the Assembly of God organization is not the hope of the world, that the Baptist Church is not the hope of the world. These are simply man-made instruments and vehicles of expression. But the same thing happens to them that happened to the corporate church and has repeated itself over and over and over again. The case is hopeless. You will not revive organization. It does not revive. That does not mean that we do not have uh, loyalties or we do not have affiliations or we do not have uh, relationships. But it means that we are responsible always to be the remnant. Are you still with me this morning? 
It means we're responsible to be faithful to the Word of God regardless of what's happening around us. Beloved, if I had put my, my, uh, my confidence in what I saw in the professing church, in the Foursquare Gospel Church, and I can say the same for the Assembly of God, or the Church of God, or the Pentecostal Church of God, or you can take them all. If I'd have, if I'd have put my hope in that, I'd have never made it through. I'd have quit a long time ago. But I saw something in the Word of God. And that which I saw in the Word of God was a possibility of revival, a possibility of the grace of God, a possibility of God moving, a possibility of people getting saved. And I became, along with many, many more, and our brother who's uh, beginning revival this week is a man I've admired for many years that has hung with the truth when the trends were blowing this way and the trends were blowing that way. When I was a young pastor, Brother Johnson was faithful to the Word of God. When everybody was on a demon kick, he had the Word of God and brought it out and laid it across. When everybody was into this, when nobody would, uh, would uh, stand up and declare the Word of God, our brother was declaring the Word of God. And so it's always been... It is the remnant. I don't have time to conclude. My time is gone. Uh, but uh, uh, let me see if I've got any more scriptures that will go with that. I do not. But uh, we need to understand that and we need to lock it down in our minds. And we've not exhausted the subject. But let us lock our minds in that the case is hopeless as far as Christendom professing as a whole. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. God has always worked with the remnant. And he always will. He'll always have a people. The Lord bless you. Next Sunday, Larry Neville is going to carry on. My wife and I will be in the Philippines. He's going to carry on this study the next two Sundays, and God's going to bless you. And, uh, and so bring your Bibles because it's going to...